Well, welcome back. We are going to be back in the book of John tonight, John chapter 7, and uh, verse number 17 is where we're going to start. Last week, Jesus uh, went up to the Feast of Tabernacles after his conversation with his brothers who are non-believers at this point. <clears throat> Jesus went up to the Jews' Feast of the Tabernacles and tried to remain uh, incognito and uh he was then found teaching in the temple, and people were gathered, and um, they couldn't believe. They they didn't understand. They marveled at how he knew the doctrine that he knew is because he's seen as an unlearned man, as an as an illiterate man. He didn't sit at the feet of a rabbi teaching him. He, uh, but he boldly told them that he got all of his doctrine from uh, him that sent him from his father. So. Uh, we're going to look at some of that today, and let's just get into it. John chapter 7, verse number 17. The Bible says, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keep the law? Why go ye about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil who goeth about to kill thee. Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers, and ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Howbeit we know this man whence he is, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again for this opportunity to gather and to hear your truth. Lord Christ is teaching uh, some very distinct doctrine here. Let's let it please sink into our hearts and let it motivate us to live a life for him. Let us uh, continue in our study, continue in our word, in your word, Lord. Let us not continue in our own, but in yours. And God, let us seek you daily for everything that we need. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Christ, as they've questioned him, as they've marveled and, and don't understand how he knows these things since he's just a carpenter's son. He's just a, a lay person. He's not a rabbi. He's not spent years uh, reading and, and seeking the scriptures, copying the scriptures. He just boldly points out I teach the doctrine of the one that sent me. Um, I am the Son of God. God sent me here onto this earth, and this is the doctrine that I teach. And then verse number 17 starts, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Christ begins to explain that if you do the will of God, that the doctrine he teaches is true. They would know that the doctrine that he teaches is true. This would have pierced right through the heart of most everyone that was present. 
especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were there listening, the other rabbis that were teaching, because they weren't doing the will of God. <coughs> Excuse me. They were uh, living a hypocritical life. They were here during uh, a feast that was supposed to be a feast of the Lord, and they thought they were obeying God's command, but in reality, they were so far from God, they couldn't see him when he was standing right in front of them. Only those with their whole heart, only those who with their whole heart do the will of God and can truly know him. Israel had mixed the doctrine of God with the whims of the idols of the land and, and even some of the traditions of Rome. If we turn to James one twenty two real quick. It explains it much better than I am right now. Hebrews, James, first and second Peter. All in the New Testament. James one and verse twenty two says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James one twenty two. those verses explain that if you are a doer of the word and not just hearers only, you're not deceived. Israel from the top down had heard God's words, the priests, the prophets, the rabbis, everyone had heard what God asked, but they just heard it. Somewhere between their ears and their heart, their own opinions and inter interpretations overruled plain revelation. Black and white had mixed to gray. If you just take the basic law, now, this isn't the, the 630 plus laws that were given that, and the, the hundreds and hundreds that were added by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Just the basic Ten Commandments. The first commandment given by Moses, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But the priest and the rabbi had become gods themselves. People flocked to them and followed them and listened to what they had to say under the idea that they were teaching God's word, but they were teaching their own word. People followed these men with such fervor, with, with even more further, fervor than we follow sports teams. We, uh, Rachel and I went to Ames yesterday to Sam's Club and picked up a couple of things, and I forgot that the Iowa State was playing in town yesterday. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, but as we were on our way out of Sam's Club, um, we noticed there's some people that had just pulled up and they were they had parked one car at Sam's Club and then drove to the stadium so they could do all their tailgating. So they were, you know, re, you know, moving back and forth, so that they didn't have to pay for parking. I have a, a very close relative that uh, paid for parking at the game yesterday, uh, so that he could be closer and not have to walk as par far. He paid a hundred dollars for a parking spot and still had to walk. Uh, several blocks to get to the game. As we're coming back on Highway 30, 
we look up and Rachel was amazed at the bus that was going by that Big was all set bus. up for <laughs> all painted up and set up for tailgating and and I reminded her that uh, those people probably didn't even make it into the game they literally just went to sit in the parking lot and tailgate and party and serve their idol and yet here we are but these men in Jesus' time followed these rabbis and these Pharisees and these Sadducees, followed these teachers with more fervor than even that. If we continue on, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. To walk and act in the name of God but walk in complete disobedience is the walk of the religious crowd. Thou shalt not kill. That was our memory verse from this morning. Yet how many there were seeking to kill the Son of God? The very Son of God. Someone who had no unrighteousness, had no sin in his life, and they were seeking to kill him. Ephesians 6. Galatians, Ephesians. Philippians, Ephesians 6 and verse number 1. says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2 says, Honor thy father, father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Colossians 3, just a few books back. Philippians, Colossians, Colossians 3 and verse number 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. How can they obey their earthly parents, but completely disobey their heavenly Father? Because they don't see God as their Father. They don't see God for who He is. They see Him as just someone who is smart, who is wise. They don't truly know God because they don't follow His commandments. How about keep the Sabbath day? Christ points this out Himself. He's already pointed out their hypocrisy of their Sabbath rituals many times, from rulers who, who uh, loose their beasts to go and take them to water, to uh, hating Him because He performed miracles, because He healed people on the Sabbath day. But now He goes after the most coveted thing of the Jew. The thing that separates or that used to separate the Jew from the rest of the world, and that was circumcision. This was commanded to Abraham as a sign that he and his children followed God. It was passed down through the generations, and now it was required for you to be, in order for you to be right with God. And even uh, the apostles battle this out. Paul battles with Peter, uh, argues with Peter later on in the book of Acts, and, and later on when the apostles are trying to make people become circumcised and if they're not circumcised they're not saved that's not the case circumcision is a work circumcision was supposed to be a picture it was supposed to be a sign pointing to god but now it was a requirement in order for you to be right with god you had to be circumcised so the priest would perform circumcision on the sabbath day because it had been, had to be done god commanded that anyone over eight days old had to be circumcised Notice he said anyone over eight days old. It doesn't say it has to be done on the eighth day. It said anyone over eight days old. 
So they perform this circumcision on the Sabbath day and they, they break the command of God to keep the Sabbath day holy. They're doing work on the Sabbath day in order to fulfill the law of Moses. Yet Christ, who makes a man whole, complete, is a heretic and a blasphemer. Matthew 23. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 23 at verse number 24. It says, Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. <clears throat> this always makes me laugh. Um, I, I think of, I believe it's Joel. I'm pretty sure it's Joel. Has trouble swallowing pills. Like aspirin, Tylenol. Can't swallow it. Yet, if you ever watch him eat, you'd be amazed that he can't. Something so small, and yet he takes such big bites. But that, that's what, what Jesus is saying here. That's what Jesus is saying here, is you strain in a gnat, you make a, in our words today, you make a mountain out of a molehill. You take the smallest things and you twist them so that they become huge. But Christ goes on to remind them, judge not according to appearance, but according to righteous judgment. He says, why are you judging on man's standards and not on the standards of God? Remember, God's ways are not our ways. God sees, man looks on the outward appearance. God sees the heart. God sees the whole matter. And this is just free, but that verse doesn't say don't judge. It says judge not according to appearance. If you look up all the places in the New Testament that talk about judging one another, it never says judge not. It always warns that whatever, you, whatever standard you judge with, you're going to be judged against. It never tells us not to judge. It says don't judge with the wrong standard. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 and verse number 1. It says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And then Proverbs 16 and verse number 11 repeats it. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. We have to judge by the right standard. Circle back to those who do the will can know the doctrine. If you aren't truly and completely following God, you can't know the doctrine, you can't know the standard. <clears throat> the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the priests, the leaders of the day have all allowed their influence, their ideals to destroy the standard. There's an old, I think it's a Norman Rockwell painting. I say old, it's really not that old, but it's a, a lady at the butcher shop, and she's, I think she's buying chickens. And uh, the butcher is on, the other, is on his side of the counter with his thumb on the scale, pushing, raising it up so that it costs more. And she's on her side, raising it up so it doesn't cost as much. <laughs> 
But that was the thing. Every merchant had its his own weight, had its own balance. Just like today. Every, today, every country has their own money. The euro is not equal with the dollar. The, the peso is not equal. We, you have to convert, and, and it's, it's insane, the conversion factors of everything that goes on. I, I, I used to know some of them, but I just got tired of trying to figure out and really, I'm not going to travel anywhere, so it doesn't matter. I'm thankful that everywhere in the United States, the money is still the same money. The dollar is still the dollar. The quarter is still the quarter. It still doesn't buy as much as it used to, but it's still the same. But every merchant had their own set of weights. They had to have a scale to balance out so they knew how much to charge. And some would take a little weight out of the balance or out of the scale out of the weight some some would they would all try to cheat try to make they would find the lightest possible um yesterday the boys and i this has nothing to do with money <clears throat> but yesterday the boys and i we went to marshalltown and uh we put in uh, a set of a couple of doors for a lady in marshalltown she wanted to change out the original plan was she wanted to change out the front door and put in one with a window to bring more light into the front and then take the door that we took off and move it around the side of the house and replace a uh, what was actually an interior door that somebody had hung on the outside. Uh, so it wasn't secure. It was a, a hollow core door. It just wasn't a very good door. So she had bought the door and I, I had measured. I told her, you know, this is a, they're both 36 inch doors. They're standard height. This should all work. So she went, we didn't want to replace the frame. We just wanted to replace the the door so she bought a slab door and i was gonna router in all the mortises cut in the the door handles and all those things to make it match up on the front door and look pretty and then i'd have to adjust the side door that nobody used not a big deal so we get there and i take off the front door and very quickly realize that it's not a normal 36 inch door you see there's a variance in everything there's a a um Tolerance is the word that I'm looking for. Brother Grant, you had to work with tolerances, I'm sure, as when you worked on boilers. Um, when I was down in Missouri doing uh, quality control work, we had a certain range that if uh, whatever they were doing fell in, fell within this range of measurement, it was acceptable, even though the measurement that we were looking for was a specific measurement if it fell in within this range. Well, on this door, in order to be considered a 36-inch door, they round up. So the door was actually only 35 and an eighth inches wide, but they always round up to make it a 36 inch door. Well, the door that she bought was a 36 inch door, but it was 35 and three quarters. It's not gonna work. Uh, in order for us to make it work, we would have had to cut the sides off. I would have had to, and then when they installed the door originally they didn't install it they installed it correctly but not correctly and they cut about three quarters of an inch off the bottom of the door so i would have had to cut three quarters of an inch off the bottom of this brand new door um all because there's tolerance it's not supposed to be that way god's plan was for a just weight and a just measure so that pound here is a pound there is a pound there is a pound there is the same everywhere it's consistent 
those are the things that we need to judge by. Those are the standards. God's word is a standard. It, it is plain, pure, and simple. Black and white, plain truth. And we're going to see when we get into chapter 8 um, of John, at the end of chapter 7, the beginning of chapter 8, Christ uh, is brought someone who very accurately is doing wrong, and yet uh, he points out that everyone around them has sin in their lives. God, again, never tells us not to judge one another. He tells us not to judge one another with our standards. And then, as this goes on, as he's teaching in the temple, boldly teaching, the people are looking around and they see the Pharisees and they see the Sadducees. And Christ had just said, you go about to kill me. You seek to break God's law. Thou shalt not kill. Plain as day, you break to see, You seek to break that law. And they didn't believe him. And then they look around and they realize, wait, all of these men, they hate Christ. And they point out in verse number... 25, then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Is not this the one they seek to kill? Here he is boldly speaking truth, and no one is bothering him. Do they know he's the Messiah? Am I missing something? If this man is truly as bad as they say he is, then why are they letting him teach? Do they know something that we don't? But no, the fact is, they can't refute his teachings. He knows the word of God. He knows the doctrine of God. He lives the life that God has asked for him to live. And because of all that, he is beyond reproach. And his teaching is absolutely accurate and true. They can't refute it. It's only their pride and unwillingness to admit that they're what that what they are hearing, or that they are hearing and not doing the will of God, the Word of God, that causes them to, to see him as a hypocrite, and wants to them to wants to kill him. That didn't make any sense. So let me try and explain it a little better. I told you many times as I was growing up that I went to uh, went to another church here in town went with my grandparents, went with my great-grandparents. And that as I would walk into that church as a young man, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, the people in the church would look down on me because of the things that I had been doing the night before. Because my parents were divorced, uh, because maybe it was my weekend to be with my mom, and those were the weekends that I would go to church because I would be closer to grandpa and grandma. But... Uh, and I had been in the bar the night before. I, as the child, was following Proverbs, or was following, uh, you know, Ephesians 6, 1, and Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey your parents. I was doing what I was told. I wasn't capable of doing anything else. I wasn't capable of driving off on my own and going and making... Well, I was capable of making my own dinner, but... Uh, it was my weekend to be with my mom. But they're looking down on me because of the life I lived when I lived with my mom. 
knowing full well that the only reason they know that is because they were there living that life themselves. It's easy to see sin in someone else's life because a lot of times we have that same sin in our own. The reason that these Pharisees and Sadducees wouldn't turn and serve Christ is because their pride was getting in the way. They knew that what he was teaching was absolutely true. They knew that he was teaching against them. They knew that they were wrong. They could see it. When we were down in Missouri, uh, one of the men in the church, um, the pastor was very, just very blunt and preached the word the way it should be preached. No fluff, just preach the word. But this man used to always uh, joke about wearing his steel-toed boots. And uh, I remember getting up in front of the men one time and, and, and I said, you know, we joke about Pastor Blaze stepping on our feet, stepping on our toes. But if he's stepping on our, t- on our toes, it means you need to move your feet. If the Word of God is stepping on your toes, it means you need to move your feet means your feet are in the wrong place. It means your heart is in the wrong place. I remember when I first got saved, I would go and sit through every message, and I knew Pastor Pierce. He was my best friend, and he knew great more about my life than anybody else. But I would sit under every message and feel like every finger in the room was pointing at me. I was under conviction because I was a new Christian. Now he wasn't he wasn't preaching at me. He wasn't pointing out the things in my life to everyone else. It was simply because I was under conviction because there were things that God needed to get out of my life. And even today as I as I study and I prepare for these messages I hope you know the majority of these messages, the majority of the things are things in my life that God is pointing out that I'm still not there. I don't sit and think about anybody else as I'm preparing. I just listen to what God's telling me. But if you're getting your toes stepped on, it means you need to move your feet. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they were getting their toes stepped on. But they hardened their heart. They became Pharaoh. We talked about Pharaoh this morning as as God was trying to bring his people out of Egypt and he was sending these plagues. Those plagues hardened Pharaoh's heart. Instead of Pharaoh waking up and saying, Oh no, I'm dealing with someone that is much higher than me. I am dealing with the God of creation. Maybe I should listen. Maybe I should change what I'm doing. Maybe I should follow him. He hardened his heart and ultimately ended up drowning in the Red Sea. I can only imagine. <laughs> I've, we, you know, we've, we've seen, or I'm sure some of you have, you've seen the movie Moses with uh, the Ten Commandments, 
commandments, commandments with Charlton Heston, mm-hmm. where he stands and he parts the Red Sea. And they, the children of Israel walk through on dry ground. A million people walk through the Red Sea on dry ground with walls of water. I can only imagine looking over and seeing fish swimming by. And Pharaoh, who had just spent how much time surrounded by a wall of fire? Remember, the children of Israel came to the Red Sea. It wasn't parted. God put a wall of fire around Pharaoh to keep Pharaoh from killing them all while Moses parted the Red Sea. So Pharaoh had just spent all this time, went through all those plagues. The firstborn of all of everything in, in Egypt had been killed. He's surrounded by a wall of fire, and now he decides to go through the Red Sea and follow Israel. And God brings it all crashing back down on his head and kills every one of them. How hard does your heart have to be to follow somebody through that? To still chase them and want to kill them, want to bring them back. Yet, we're no different. And honestly, I think the reason why a lot of those people aren't here today, aren't sitting in this room today, is because they still see me as the little kid that was doing all those bad things that I had no control over. We cannot be that church. We cannot be the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We must see ourselves for who we really are and give grace rather than contempt. These people didn't want to hear his teaching because he was teaching against them. They didn't want to accept his salvation because it would mean they had to admit that they were wrong. A sad saying in our world today. God never tells us not to judge. He tells us to judge with the right standard. The Bible is not for our interpretation. It is plain, simple. The King James Bible is plain, simple English. Prepared and preserved for us so that we can know the heart of God but we can only know the heart of God if we do the will of God. Then we can truly know the doctrine. We can know the Spirit. Christ talks about knowing the Spirit of the law. The fact that uh, it was okay for His disciples to walk through as they were hungry and, and give themselves food on the Sabbath day. That it was okay for um, David to go in and eat the showbread. That it was okay for Ruth the Moabitess to be brought into the family of God because she knew and understood and followed God. When we do His will, when we study, when we 
learn from him, we can truly know him and know exactly what the standard is.